Welcome to it. It's Husker Sports Weekly, your one-stop shop for all things Husker Sports. And it's episode number 100. We have accomplished the century mark as a show. We have made it. A show that started in March of 2020 has made it to 100 episodes of Husker Sports Weekly, not including the rapid reactions and other episodes, of course. But this is episode number 100, officially, and it's exciting times. And we are bringing you episode 100 on Homecoming Week as well. So that is really, really cool. Connor Clark and Grant Hansen here. As always, you can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27. And at Hansen, not Hansen. Give it to me. Uh, Ian, not Owen. You can find our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly. And search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast networks. Grant and I they, literally just started talking. They uh, they don't have no award for that. They don't. Trophies. Trophies. We've been going on about. They don't have no award for that. It don't come with trophies. Ain't no envelopes to open. Why are you reading the lyrics? <laughs> I'm not going to go any further than that because, you know, Drake. <laughs> we've He's been. getting young money. We've been. With Drake. Contemplating what intro song to use for this episode. I think we have to go back. You have to go with trophies. To, to trophies, which is. If you haven't known by now, that's the that's the horn, like the trumpets. Trumpets. Uh, intro but we were just talking and technically you're not the first I know I'm a host let me look technically it was a very different product back in the day it it really was this was a it was a show that started during the pandemic uh, a couple weeks into March of 2020 and I was just like you know what I'm bored I'm gonna start doing this like you be yeah first um, a couple of guests were actually people who were involved in either working for the CoJMC or students of the CoJMC. It has quickly blossomed into something. Uh, I I don't want to say bigger than that because wow. that's just demeaning. <laughs> but it it's it's been very consistent, and I feel like we put a lot of effort into the show. Okay, so here here's what I've got uh, as as I delve into the original episode. So episode one. Featured uh, Alex Fernando, so yes. current uh, recruiter at the university. It also has a COVID-19 warning attached to it by Spotify. Well, it, because <laughs> we were talking about what that meant for sports. Which I mean, it was so the only funny, thing actually. It about. is really funny to me. Like, Connor be out here spreading COVID misinformation back in May of 2020. Fake news. Fake news, Clark. Um, then we have Kalen Debin, who at the time was a junior in this. Wow. He is now graduated, so oh that's my crazy. Goodness. Uh, and then you have the uh, advent of the first three co-hosts, Jarrett, Mickey, Quinn Nav- or Jesus, Quinn Navra. Come on. I know. And then Narn. And I'm not even going to try to get Narn's last name. R.I.P. Narn. Yeah, he's still alive. Um, <laughs> All and current then, students. So by the time I joined the show, it is... August. Of August. That's what I thought, but... I'm not seeing. I don't know if we jumped I'm not right credi- into it. I'm not credited on episode nine. Well, the first one that you were on, you were you were featured. See, as like yeah, a I'm featured. Yeah, so my first episode was September of 2020. So that was episode 11. Episode 11. And at that time, we knew Big Ten football was back, so that was like yeah, that was wild. a big deal. That was a big deal. But it's it's been a lot of work put into the show and a lot of recordings, obviously, with this being episode number 100 and. It's on Homecoming Week, which is pretty cool, and we were discussing how we wanted to intro this episode, and we thought 
the only right way that we could do this, being the college students that we are, we're, we can be dumb, I think, a lot. I'm literally eating a piece of cake. It's 10.59 in the morning right now, courtesy Oof. of my mother. Thank you, Mom. Yeah. It was mother a, coming in clutch. A special episode 100 cake. Um, was it warranted? I don't know, but thank you. Thank you nonetheless. I appreciate that a lot. But we wanted to open up Waka Flock of Flame. Is, hey! Is performing at Let's BBA go. this Friday for Husker Hoops opening night. Now, for those of you who don't know, Waka Flock of Flame is a rapper. Those of you who aren't like greatly familiar yeah. with one of the best artists of all time. Well, I, <laughs> may, I, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I'm, for some people, maybe. I'm kidding. But he's a late fill-in for ESTG, who I... And I'm, I'm a person who listens to i would say a lot of rap music right and, I, and i'd like to think a lot of good rap music i don't know that other people's opinions could differ but i never heard of this guy and then yesterday i believe it was the student body just started freaking out because waka flock of flame is now the performer at right. pba and he has a, a handful of songs that are kind of like anthems at Social gatherings and I mean even people older than us social social gatherings. gatherings. <laughs> I mean be, people older than us know like not his, that much older. But his best songs came out in like twenty within the last twenty eleven. Yeah, yeah. Like so, we figured that that was an appropriate way to open the show. It's, it's yeah. It's exciting. hey look as uh, as I told a friend earlier this week that is Mister Waka Flocka. To you. It's Mr. Flame. Mr. Walker Flocker. Mr. Walker Flacker to you. Okay. <laughs> so he's performing at PBA Husker Hoops it's opening an upgrade. night. It is an upgrade. Definitely an upgrade. Huge upgrade. Because, you know, like, it, they will see an attendance bump because of this. Oh, absolutely. Mainly Plus because, like, tickets. you know at least, like, four or five of the songs that are going to be played at this thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know how long. I'm trying to remember how long the concert was after the opening night last year. It wasn't terribly long. I think it was like a half hour to 45 minutes. I don't know. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how long that goes. But Husker Hoops opening night is Friday, the night before the homecoming game against Indiana. And we will see both men's and women's teams on display. It's going to be more of an open practice, as Fred Hoiberg said this week. Uh, rather than what happened last year, which also Fred Hoiberg said was kind of a one-on-one versus Kese and Alonzo Verge, which looking back on that season, that's probably the oddest one-on-one you could ever imagine oh, God. between two players on that team. So take that as you will, but it's going to be more of an open practice. Excited to see what obviously the men's team looks like, but I'm really excited to see what the, the women's team can do this year as well. Now, obviously, right. big news that came out since our last episode, no Sam Hybe this year with an injury, which is a big loss because she just came back for her final year of eligibility. Felt terrible when I saw that because she is yeah. a, a rock to that program. She's a double-digit scorer. She is a captain. She's been there forever, and to see her go down is is never good. And it, it doesn't matter who it is. It's never never good to see somebody go down. But somebody who means that much to the program and that much to really Amy Williams uh, is sad to see. But I'm also excited to see who steps up. Now, obviously, we were introduced to Jazz Shelley last year as a focal point of this team. Allison Widener, the freshman last year, was really, really good. Alexis Markowski was really, really good. Yeah, Big Ten freshman of the year. So there's a handful of players who are young, too, that can – 
try and step up and I don't want to say fill the role that Sam Hybe played, but at least get you back some of that production that you will be losing with Sam Hybe this year. Uh, Izzy Bourne is another name that I forgot to mention as well. She's was fantastic last year. So it's not a a backbreaking injury, but it, it hurts. But there's plenty of talent on the roster that can step up and fill those roles. Yeah, it'll be very interesting because it's a huge you lose a huge leader and now it's not like, you know, she like had her tongue cut off or something and she won't be able to you know it's not like she won't be able to actually lead this team. Like she's still gonna be able to be a, a very big part of this group from that standpoint. The problem is she's not on your court, right? And she was one of this team's biggest clutch scorers, has been one of this team's biggest clutch scorers in the last three or four years. I, I think like one game that sticks out to me, I think it was either last year or the year before, but Minnesota. And she scored almost all of the team's fourth quarter points mm-hmm. and helped Nebraska avoid what would have been um, a really nasty upset. So like uh, it, it's a big loss from that standpoint. And then you're right, right? Like you, you have to you have to figure out now who steps up into that primary score, clutch score role. That'll be really, really interesting to see. On the men's side, obviously a lot of new faces. You have Sam Greasel from North Dakota State. Um, you have a couple other transfers. You have returning faces such as C.J. Wilcher, Derek Walker, Casey Tomanaga, uh, Wilhelm Breidenbach. He's back. Is healthy. Dwight It's amazing. So he will be back as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this group gels together. I read that piece that C.J. Wilcher put out with the athletic department yesterday. And it seems like, and obviously, you're not there with the team every day. You're you're not in practice. You're not with them hanging out after practice, whatever. But it seems like that this group is very tight-knit. And I think that's really important because I'm not saying last year's team wasn't, but I feel like with all the, the struggles that happened last year, you could kind of see people, I don't want to say jump the ship, but it, it was hard to get everybody on the same page all at once, and you could see frustration on players' faces, maybe with one another, maybe with the coaching staff, who knows, but there was kind of that almost divide at some point, especially in the in the middle of that Big Ten schedule where just things were not going your way. And I think that this team can stay together and just be a tight-knit group that could help them a lot not only with their play on the court, but just mentally. And CJ went into how he lost 15 pounds over yes. this offseason, which is huge. He was over 220 pounds a season ago. And he, he also went into how he starts meditating for 30 minutes every day and improving his mental health and mental stability on top of playing basketball in one of the best conferences, if not the best conference in the country. So I thought that was a really, really good read. If you haven't seen it already, go check it out, I believe – uh, the Husker Twitter account posted it yesterday as well as the basketball one. So go ahead and read that as well. Um, but I'm interested to see what those guys look like, how much Hoiberg will show on Friday. Um, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a big basketball guy. Do I think the team's going to be very good this year? Right now, no. But I'm excited to see what they look like, and, and I'm looking forward to Friday. Yeah, very much in wait-and-see mode. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the way you have to approach this. Um like you got definitely got to like what they're saying, like because they're talking, you know, press conference Tuesday about, you know, as a group 
we've got better chemistry than a year ago. There's a new leadership council in place that's all player run that meets weekly. Um, Coach Hoiberg wouldn't say uh, which players specifically are on that council. C.J. Welcher, you know, Hoiberg says he looks like a completely different player. So that'll be interesting to see what that looks like if it actually makes a big difference. And you got a couple of Juco guys, Blaze Keto, one of them. Uh, like, that'll be interesting to see. How, how, what does that transition look like? Is it easier for him than Casey Tomonaga's? Uh, you know, do you see a change in the offensive approach? All right. Uh, Hoiberg said Nebraska's kind of preaching a more balanced attack this year. And ball movement, that's an emphasis. So, you know, I think this team, as they also continue to place more emphasis on the defensive side of the ball, in both the assistant coaches that they hired um, and throughout practice, and you can start to get this group to a point where they play a little bit more like a Big Ten team than they have in weeks past. That's what it sounds like. What it looks like in practice, and in practice as in terms of like in actual games, TBD. And you have to take everything with a grain of salt because there is a lot of optimism swirling around that program a year ago, and we all know how it ended. A part of me just wants to think that it's going to be the opposite of last year. <laughs> just like right anticipation of like, all right, this team's probably not going to be very good and maybe they surprise everybody. But yeah, it's it's all about wait and see mode, as you mentioned. And there's always so much you can do over the offseason, just kind of speculating. Now, I get it. Like you take football offseason for an example and everybody is all over the place with it and everybody thinks they got the right information and that's the wrong information and these players are going to play, and this player's hurt, and whatever. With the basketball, it's kind of – it's different in a way because, I mean, basketball isn't obviously the perennial power in the athletic department here. Obviously, people still care about it. But the the expectations set on it are a complete 180 from, from football. I mean, they've, they've never won a game in the NCAA tournament before. In football, you have five national championships – so the expectations are definitely lower. Again, wait and see. I think, and we can get into this as we get closer and closer to basketball season, but I kind of want to end with this. If Nebraska, and I think this is going to be huge if they want to have some sort of success this year, they need to win the games that they should win in, in the non-con. And I, I know that's an obvious point, but that's something they couldn't do last year. They couldn't do that the year before. They couldn't do that in Hoiberg's first year. So in the non-con, they need to beat these G5 teams, the the teams that aren't even in the G5. Uh, uh, take Western Illinois, for example, last huh. year. I mean, that set the tone, really, for the season. I mean, that was a close game. Now, give Western Illinois credit. They pushed a couple of, of powered six teams, I guess, in basketball on the road. But that was a game that kind of – set the tone and set the momentum for what was the season. There was a ton of hype around that game. All right, new year, new season with Hoiberg, new players. You have a five-star in McGowan's coming in. How's this team going to look? And Western Illinois comes in and beats you. So how do you how do you keep that from happening? I think that's going to be a, a huge yeah. talking point. Yeah, getting off to a good start. Yeah, that'll be that'll be really important. And it'll 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 just be interesting to see how some of the new Transfers fit into this. Emmanuel Bandamel among them. Um, you know Sam Griesel. I think one if you're if you're looking for a, like a reason for optimism, a reason to believe that this idea of ball movement 
um, and this preaching of ball movement, the triangle, will actually end up like becoming reality. Uh, I feel like, and maybe this isn't true every year, but I think a lot of the time, Fred Hoiberg has had a really ball dominant guard leading the way. That was especially that. true last year. You had two, mm-hmm. and you're not going to have that this time around. So, in in some ways, you know, that could cause a little bit of apprehension or just wondering, like, hey, where where is the scoring going to come from here? But, you know, on the bright the bright side of that is you you do not have a ball dominant guard, a guy who's going to look to take 15, 20 shots a game. At least that's what we think at this time. Now, what that actually ends up looking like, who knows? And does that actually truly lead to more offensive success? Who knows? Uh, but I think that is a really interesting thought as we begin this next season is that, you know, th- there's a difference on this team from years past, and that is that there isn't a definitive number one scorer that is going to try to take over games and fail. I mean, if you wanted to point out a name like early preseason, and this is kind of the, the basic obvious choice, I would say it's Greasel. I mean, right. he's probably going to have the ball in his hands late in games. We'll see how that pans out. And we talk about C.J. Wilcher. If he can have a big year, he shot the ball way better than I thought he did last year percentage-wise, just reading up on it in the past week. He shot the ball 50% in the back half of the season and averaged almost 10 a game. So if he can bump that average up to, say, 11, 12, and keep that same shooting percentage, I think a big year out of him could be huge because, you know, you need a reliable three-point shooter. I Honestly, I think Derek Walker is going to be pretty consistent. Um, he, he knows how to use his size. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he knows how to use that to his advantage. Very Derek Pardon-esque for those old-school Nebraska-Northwestern battle fans. Uh, there you go. But uh, I, I think Greasel would be my pick right now. Uh, we'll see if that changes at all, but I, I feel like that's kind of the pick you have to go with preseason, right? Yeah, no, I and I just I think the difference there is I think he's going to be more prone to being unselfish. And we'll see. I mean, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's not true, but that's just the general read. I think um, you know he's not a guy, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with trying to impress NBA scouts, i.e., Bryce McGowan's. But he's there's not he's not a guy who's out there trying to do that right now, right? Like that's not something that is a part of his thought process, um, and and so that might might potentially lead to more team oriented success. And I would love that because yes. this ISO ball that we saw last year was not a fan. Nope. And not many people were, and neither was the record. <laughs> the record was not a fan. Right. Not a fan of that type of basketball. I really like Fred Hoiberg. I want him to stick around, but he's going to need to have success this year in order for that to be a reality. So we'll see how that goes. Basketball opening night at PBA this Friday, so tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Go check it out. Go see your favorite Husker women's and men's basketball players in action. And if you're into that, Stick around for, for Mr. Flame, if you will. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Waka Flocka. Mr. Waka Flocka for the, <laughs> for the concert uh, afterwards. We'll transition over to Nebraska volleyball before we get into this weekend's football game. They got a road trip coming up. John Cook spoke to the media on Tuesday about that long trip coming up. 
Nebraska's 10-1 so far throughout the season. They picked up a sweep against Michigan State last Friday and then a thrilling five-set win over number 7 Ohio State on Saturday, which was a, a huge win for Cook and company. But now they embark on a three-game road trip. Tomorrow they're at Rutgers, then on Sunday they're at Maryland, and then at Michigan – oh, four-game road trip, excuse me. Thursday they're at Michigan State, and then Saturday, October 8th, they're at Michigan. So four straight Big Ten road games, that's – a pretty steep climb. Now, I know Nebraska right now is, by numbers, the best team in the Big Ten. But that is, if Nebraska can really get get their work together here on this road trip and, and take care of business, that would be very, very impressive. Yeah, so a year ago they won two matches uh, against ranked opponents at home. Purdue, that was on October 23rd. They won that one in four. And then Penn State, who was number 15 at the time, Nebraska had already beaten them earlier in the season. I, I think this is big, especially the Ohio State match, just because Nebraska, I think, struggled to win some of their bigger matches at home a year ago. And, you know, Purdue and Penn State are certainly among them, but you couldn't get Wisconsin. Um, you know, Illinois was a big win. But to get a win like that earlier in the year helps, and something they didn't necessarily achieve a year ago. Same with that sweep against Kentucky. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. So now it's just take care of business, right? And you should be able to do that against Rutgers, Maryland, Michigan State. I mean, every every team they play in these next four matches is going to be at a talent deficit compared to Nebraska. So it's just kind of a take care of business situation. And you know that generally any team in the Big Ten can beat you. you. Even look at the Michigan State match. I mean, they played Nebraska tight in the last couple of sets. Then you go to East Lansing pretty quick after you played them the first time. Uh, that one's in two weeks. So I, I, I would watch that one as, as of the four of the ones that Nebraska might get the most challenge. I think it might be Michigan State, but TBD. Oh, and by the way, you mentioned Wisconsin. In the words of Nebraska Athletic Director Trev Alberts, it's on when it comes to attendance and the all-time record. They're trying to figure out ways to get it back. Now, it was set in Omaha between Nebraska and Creighton, and then they and then Wisconsin broke it at the Kohl Center. Who, who did they play in that? Why am I forgetting? Florida. Florida. So they broke it in the Kohl Center. I know we've talked about this with our friend group a lot. We really want to see Nebraska-Wisconsin at PBA. We yes. really want to see it. 100%. I think that would be awesome. That place would be full. It would be super loud. And the atmosphere would just be off the charts. Yeah, that's a big one. I, like That's November 25th, which is a Friday. Is that Black Friday? Yes. Wow. Yeah, that would be interesting. That would, that would be one to circle. I think you need one with... Maybe not this year. I think you need one with the students in town. Though. And then you have the Saturday match against Minnesota. I don't know. Yeah, those two matches are interesting. I mean, Purdue the Sunday before Thanksgiving, that's a noon uh, first serve. But, like, if you look at the rest of the matches, you know, for the remainder of the year, maybe Penn State, but, you know, there's not a whole lot of great options if you want to move it to PBA for, for a big match. Well, and an alternative angle that one of our other friends had is – he wants to see a game back in the Coliseum, which obviously wouldn't wouldn't be, get the attendance record. No, it wouldn't be close, but it would just be kind of a cool throwback match to right. to have there. So 
couple of ideas for you. I, I saw a Twitter reply yesterday. It was <laughs> throw the court in the middle of Memorial Stadium and, and see how many and people that, show up. That would be kind of interesting. That would be – I thought about it. You would just have to do that. It would in, be early in the season, yeah. Yeah. But that would be kind of cool. I. It would depend on – I don't know how much – I mean, they've played basketball on an aircraft carrier before, so right. they, they could make it work. Well, I mean, that, like... Just how logistical is I that, I mean, it's right? more it's more feasible than having a Terrence Crawford fight at Memorial Stadium, right. I think. Uh, but it's kind of in that same category. We should build a stadium that is... Us. One seat bigger than the Wisconsin record in, like, Ashland. And just play it there. Yeah. And well, just people from Omaha and Lincoln just it would take meet, a long time. Can meet in the middle. It would take a we would have it to wouldn't work. have to be just the highest. The two of, just the two of us. It would take uh, us a not, long time. Not just the two of us. Oh, okay. You're that's not what that. you meant by we No, that's you're taking this very literally. Um well gosh. I mean if you want it to if you want it to be the two of us, I mean it, no. it, we could have False. it done by like I don't know, twenty fifty. <laughs> Jeez, that's that's kind of pushing. We've it, really right? deteriorated I now. Know. This is talking but about degenerate. We want we want the attendance record. That's all we right. want. That's all we want. And I, man, I don't international know. national champion. It'd be interesting to see if they. I I really didn't think they'd try to go back and get it at the end of the year, but I mean, maybe they can. We might I, as well. Look, I I think. I think if they did it on Black Friday, I. I think I think they could get it. I think they could get in that Wisconsin match. Look, I, yeah, I'm not arguing that they couldn't get it on Black Friday. I think, just atmosphere wise, I think you want the students there. Maybe, I, I like. I think there's going to be plenty of people there, like plenty of students on Black Friday. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think so. I mean, you're you're a lot more local. There's than plenty I am of people who are to, local. Yeah, people who you know, attend this college who would be there. The only question is, is the Iowa game still going at that point in time? <laughs> you would hope not. Probably not because Iowa's going to hold the ball for 45 minutes in that game before they fumble it away yeah. in the last two seconds. But big four-game road trip coming up for Nebraska Volleyball. They take on Rutgers, Maryland, Michigan, and Michigan State. After that, they have two straight home games against Penn State and Northwestern. Then they go back on the road for three more. Purdue, Illinois, and Wisconsin, that is a tough road trip right there. Um, so just a little bit of an update on Nebraska Volleyball. 10-1 and right now, 2-0 in the Big Ten, and riding a three-game win streak ever since that loss to Stanford. So John Cook and his crew are looking good right now, as expected, and, and we'll see. May, we'll, we'll keep uh, the Omaha watch going yeah. throughout the rest of the season. So let's move on to the homecoming game. Nebraska football is back after a bye week, a much-needed bye week for our sake and probably everybody else's sake. They play Indiana this weekend at 6.30 p.m. on BTN, and they are five-point five favorites. favorites. Yep, Five-point favorites. Now, they've been favored in every game except Oklahoma, by the way. Which is, look, okay, I get it. And it makes sense. They should have been. Yeah, I get it. We would have expected that going into the year. But this this is just, I don't know, a five-point favorite. Look, I know Indiana isn't the greatest football team ever, and they just lost to, they aren't to bad. Cincinnati. They're not bad. No, they're definitely better than they were last year. And I just don't, I don't. 
I don't get it. Get it? Yeah. I don't get it. Me neither. I mean, I don't know who is who. And how Nebraska many opened, are, what was it, a two and a half? I, it was like a field goal, yeah. Yeah. But I just do not understand. Now, we've talked about this. This game is going to last forever because there's just going to be so many passes thrown. Indiana threw the ball 66 times last week. They completed 31 of them. Yeah, so quarterback Connor Bazelag, who transferred to Indiana from Missouri, uh, he has thrown the football two hundred and like eight times this year. Two hundred and two. And then uh he has dropped back to pass two hundred and thirteen times, which leads the FBS. I for, mean both of those numbers lead the FBS. For reference, Casey Thompson has thrown the ball hundred and seventeen times this year. It's such a weird thing. And and like if you're Nebraska, like I mean red flag. Definitely that like secondary be, better be because, ready to go. Because you're just sitting there thinking like if you can't generate a pass rush, then it's going to be a long night because they'll move up and down the field. If you can't generate, like to me, you draw the comparisons to the Georgia Southern game, and when you were able to pressure Van Trees, what happened? Interceptions, and when you weren't able to pressure him, which was the majority of the game, right? Uh, you know, four hundred passing yards, I think, was the final, right? So that to me, like we're entering this very similar territory. Uh, between those two games, you know they've got a they got a go to guy, um, and Cam Camper, a guy who has been targeted sixty times already this year, which also leads the FBS. Uh, so he's a junior college transfer from Trinity something college in Texas. So like, there's gonna be a lot of there's gonna be a lot of passes thrown, and, and they're somewhat decent with uh, Sean Shivers. At running back, he's a transfer from Auburn. Pretty decent in the run game too. Like they could get some, they could get some good yardage on the ground. Do you want to know how much this spread doesn't make sense? Nebraska's zero and four against the spread this year. Indiana's three and or no, they're not. Excuse me, they're one and three. They they have the the it's they're one three and zero. But Nebraska's zero and four against the spread. I mean, if you're betting. I'd take Indiana plus 178 right now. And maybe that yeah. moves more into Nebraska's favor. It's at five and a half currently now. The over-under is 60. Indiana, feels low. Indiana, it does feel low. Indiana had 104 offensive snaps against Cincinnati. And I go back to Basilak's 66 pass attempts. He completed 31 of them. He didn't even eclipse 300 yards. And he had two picks and two touchdowns. So it's not like his numbers were amazing. It was just, oh, my God, this guy threw the ball 66 times. Like, right. put a pitch count on him at that point. I mean, he, how, ma- how many ice bags were and on his right arm? You think about this, too. Like, against the Blitz, 40 of 67, that's 59% of his passes, 430 yards, five touchdowns, no picks. There you go. So the the problem hasn't been the blitz when Indiana's faced it. It's been just general pressure. Because when he's been pressured, 21 of 62, 212 yards, one touchdown, two picks. So that'll be the key for Nebraska. And trying to take advantage of a couple of questionable Hoosier offensive linemen, uh, Caleb Henry and Parker Hanna among them, center and right tackle. Combined, they've allowed six sacks and 25 quarterback hurries. So far this year, Hannah allowed three sacks against Cincinnati alone. 
and so you're going to have to attack those two linemen and the rest of them because dial it up. You know, this group struggles in pass protection and it has become frustrating at times for Hoosier fans to watch as they try to figure out, okay, what set of offensive linemen results in the least amount of sacks. And so that'll be that'll be a huge, huge thing to watch. I mean, the strip sack, so there are two like titanic plays in that Cincinnati game a week ago. Uh, the first was when former All-Big Ten corner Taiwan Mullen got burned for a 75-yard touchdown. And he like wasn't even within 15 yards of the receiver. Second one was when Parker Hanna, the right tackle, gave up a strip sack. The ball was loose. Hanna just didn't even look or make an attempt to go dive for the football. It was like he didn't even know it was out there. It rolled around for four seconds before Cincinnati picked it up and ran it in for a score. That bookend, those two touchdowns, bookended a 35-7 to Cincinnati scoring stretch. So, like, there's your key right there, I think. If you're Nebraska from from an offensive slash defensive perspective, like you you can go at these guys one on one in coverage, and then on the flip side of that, you can attack this line from a pass rush perspective. You know, if if Nebraska can't get home this weekend, there's going to be some serious serious issues because this might be the most unstable offensive line they've faced. Indiana is two and zero in one score games this year. Two and zero. One of which being a field goal win against Illinois. One of which being a field goal win against Western Kentucky. They haven't played a blowout win yet. Their biggest win is 35-22 against Ohio, or Idaho. excuse me, And then they got blown out by, by Cincinnati. So when they win, they win close. When they lose, they're, they're not close. Now granted, smaller sample size, Cincinnati's a really good football team. you got to dial up the pressure. And, and you just said it. It's probably one of the most unstable offensive lines you will face all year as a defensive unit you have literally and we talked about this Oklahoma week you have literally nothing to lose nothing right dial it up go for it it doesn't matter throw the kitchen sink at them if you want to try and win a couple of ball games this year I think that's what it's going to take because Sitting here right now, I don't have much faith that this team wins another game this year. And maybe that's a little harsh, but right now I think one and eleven is is very realistic at yeah. this point in time. And I and I hear five wins is still salvageable. And granted, this is on like Twitter and stuff, but I've I've heard that. I've heard four. And I'm like, where? Where do you see five? Five wins? Because I mean, preseason, I I had seven as the ceiling. So where do you see five right now? That's just my take on it. I don't I don't know if Nebraska wins another game this year. This is their best shot. And maybe Rutgers after how they looked after Iowa. But this is your best shot to, to get a win under your belt, especially for me. No, Mickey it definitely Johnson. is. Undoubtedly it is the best mm-hmm. their best shot. This, uh, and it's sad that we're saying that after I'm sorry, Northwestern like, too. It's it's important to remember here, though, just how bad this team is in the context of the opponents they've played. Well, yeah, just look at the I, schedule. You don't have to look much further than Northwestern. The only team that's actually won a game after they played Nebraska is North Dakota, which is kind of hilarious. Uh, but 
Georgia Southern. They're one of actually no, maybe Georgia Southern is the only team. And the fighting Adrian Martinez's. So, and, and you look, Northwestern is like the biggest thing. It's like after the Northwestern game, you think, well, maybe Northwestern's good. No. Yeah. No. No. They no. Are, no. They're arguably no. the worst team in FBS this year. I know. Colorado no, they're not. Nebraska really is. Bad. It, Nebraska is the worst team in the FBS. I think right now. I mean, both of them. Are, Colorado are is also fighting up there. for that for that title right now. I mean, if you're thinking top three worst, yeah, it's some order of Northwestern, Colorado, and Nebraska. It is bad. It is really bad. And the Big Ten West this year is really bad. Right. Like, Minnesota is the only glimmer of hope that the West Division has. They look really good. But, man, like, and again, it's sad that Indiana is your best chance to get another win this year after what you've seen from Northwestern and you couldn't get it done. After what you've seen from Georgia Southern and you couldn't get it done. Now, Oklahoma's an exception because they're a really good team. But when you put that context into it, it is just like, what happened? Yeah. And and I know you could give a million different answers to that, but it, it, it is a complete 180 from what we expected preseason. And I neither one of us could ever foresee a one and three start. I, I had this team starting seven and one. And they should have. I mean, if the defense played at a competent level, it should be. They should be. But they didn't, and that's where we are. And 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 the offensive line also. But like, I I, I it's just it's a game where you wonder how much the defensive changes help. You know, they say they're going to try to simplify a bunch of things. Maybe that – I mean, like, look, I mean, there was definitely plays against Oklahoma where, like, what are you guys doing? Moving around in the alignment pre-snap. Uh, the Dylan Gabriel touchdown run, too. For example, that. So – I was just waiting for him to either get tackled or step out of bounds. Yeah, <laughs> and it just neither didn't happen. Uh, so, may, so, look, maybe, like, some of that simplification of some of those calls, maybe that helps. Maybe that makes a really big difference. I don't know. We're going to find out, but – like that might be the only thing that make, might make you think that the defense is going to improve. I, I just think Bazelak is going to carve him up. I really do. I, I don't think Nebraska is going to be able to get home, and I think the Hoosiers are going to be able to get literally whatever they want, offensively. Nebraska's given up four five hundred and fourteen yards a game this year. As somebody who's watched Nebraska football longer than I have, Grant, it's pretty bad. Is this rock bottom? Close. It's hard to identify it in the moment. I mean, again, like I thought 2020 Illinois was rock bottom. Uh, this is as objectively as bad as the defense has ever been. It's worse than the Diaco defenses, which, whew, like, who would have thought? That, like, that in and of itself is just really insane. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I mean, if they finished the year 1 and 11, yeah. If they finished the year 2 and 10, yeah. Because you really don't have the excuse available to you that, well, they were close in a lot of these games, uh, they were just unlucky, which I think still holds for 2021. Obviously, that wouldn't hold here. So it's even worse. Even if they w- even if they went 3-9, and nine, it would be way, way worse than a year ago. Oh, yeah. I don't, think, I don't even think that's up for debate. And no matter what happens this year, I don't think you can question what happened last year and how close they were and whether you want to say that's just lack of execution down the stretch or being unlucky or, or, or both. I don't think whatever happens this year, I don't think that 
changes anything from from a season ago. And I mean, if they were unlucky and they were close to winning games, I mean, maybe we should have just seen this coming. If that was unlucky and just bad as this, maybe maybe we should have seen this coming. Who knows? But I don't think anything that happens this year changes what happened in 2021, and that's just kind of the reality of the situation. So Indiana, Nebraska, 6.30 p.m. on BTN at Memorial Stadium. Nebraska, five-and-a-half-point favorite. We'll get to our pick there in just a second because it's time for one, two, and you. Hey, up. Quick We're up, here. Quick updates on our records. I'm 11 and four. Connor's still just getting lucky week after week. I after just week. I know my football. No, Grant is nine and six because he decides to pick games like UNC and Notre Dame and Duke and Kansas and Minnesota MSU. Maybe that was a so dumb there pick. you go. Like, retrospectively, that was really dumb. <laughs> you know, I, as much as it hurt me though, I feel like kind of smart picking Miami of Ohio to cover against Northwestern. I thought you picked the other way. But no, I mean that was the right call. I and what was I mean Nebraska's favored or not Northwestern they were favored, was favored by, by a touchdown. touchdown, right? Yeah. Yeah, they were favored by a touchdown and they Wolf. lost. They lost. Yeah, and you knew that was gonna, <laughs> you knew that was coming. 17-14 that was the final score there, but And it is so funny too by the way, like the only game I got right last week was was Duke and Kansas and Duke was driving down, they were down 15 and they decided to go for two on the second touchdown as opposed to the first, and then they never got the ball back. And so then Kansas won by eight and covered. That's Duke football. Uh, Notre Dame and UNC was my other one. Yeah, what did you pick there? Uh, I had North Carolina covering. They were one-and-a-half-point favorites. Then Notre Dame figured out how to offense. Yeah, that Um, game was not close, right? Yeah, and then Michigan State was my dog at plus three, and so, yeah, yeah, woof. I didn't. On to week five. Coming. On to on to Cincinnati. On to Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. But my first game, and, and there's actually a, a really good handful of games, whether that's ranked or unranked matchups this week, um, that that are are good to pick from. Again, I, you always tell me what games you're going to pick, and then I always forget. So I yep. apologize if I take one from you. I'm gonna try my hardest not to do that, but I might do that right here with. Kansas and Iowa State. Nope, not me. Okay. Iowa State is a three-point favorite on the road in Kansas, in Lawrence, Kansas. Kansas is 4-0. Now, if I go to Kansas and I look at their schedule, they've beaten Duke, they've beaten West Virginia, they've beaten Tennessee Tech. Houston is clearly, I think, their best win, and it's not close. Right. Yeah, Duke is not. I don't know. I think Iowa State wins this game. I think I mean, they do. I would not be a shock. After the loss to Baylor, yeah, it would not be a shock. I think Iowa State wins this game. I think they win and cover on the road. Give me Iowa State 27-20 to 20 in Lawrence. Okay. I'm going to go I, – I, obviously, I need to get back into this here a little bit. <clears throat> Two games back isn't the end of the world. There's plenty of college football left. Oh, no. I'm going to go with a big favorite. All right? Oh. Dude. Alabama and Arkansas. Seven Arkansas, feet. three and one, fresh off a loss to Texas A and M. It's in Fayetteville, and Alabama is Ooh, a seventeen yeah. point favorite. Ooh, I'm excited for that game. Now I didn't realize it was. In it's Fayetteville. on CBS. Two thirty kick. Look, uh, 
I think I'm going to stick with Alabama here. And there's plenty of questions with the Crimson Tide following that Texas loss, but you put 63 on Monroe, University of Louisiana Monroe. They didn't lose to Texas. Then you – or, sorry, the close win I know to Texas. Then you, you, then you take it to Vanderbilt to 55-3 there. I, I think – I don't think Arkansas is really that good. I also don't think Texas A&M is really that good. And so Alabama is just going to absolutely just steamroll them. That's, steamroll them. That's an interesting pick. Alabama's 17-point favorite. Give me the Crimson Pride to cover. They win it 38-14. to 14. Crimson Pride, did I say that? Yeah. Crimson Tide. Well, Sorry, Ron Colley. You have Crimson Pride? Ron Colley is the Crimson Pride. The Crimson Pride. All right, next game for me. I'm going to try and go unranked matchup. Or I, I already went unranked matchup here. Never mind. I'm going to try and go ranked matchup here. And scrolling through, I think I'm going to go with... Bear with me. Bearing. Just, just for one second. Hurry. Gonna, fast. I'm going to go with Kansas State, Texas Tech. Okay. In the Big 12... It is in Manhattan, Kansas. Texas Tech just took down Texas at the last second. Kansas State with an impressive win over Oklahoma on the road. Adrian Martinez with five total touchdowns, four of which were on the ground. So if he was a fantasy football player, he would have been the player of the week by far. Mm. I'm going to go Kansas State. They're eight-point favorites here. I think they cover eight points. Over-under is 57, which I feel like is kind of low for a Big 12 game. So I'm going to go the fighting Adrian Martinez's, for lack of a better nickname. The 25th-ranked Kansas State Wildcats cover the eight-point spread against Texas Tech at home, and they improve to 4-1. and one. All right, I'm going to go favorite again here. NC State, they're at number 10 in the AP poll and are just, like, especially when you contrast them with Kansas, they're an excellent Excellent example of why the AP poll sucks. <laughs> like, this team should not be number 10. Uh, I don't know if anybody has actually watched their games. They're just thinking, like, oh, yeah. Clemson shouldn't 10. be number five either, I don't think. No, they shouldn't. But they've had a lot of success offensively. I mean, you, you put up 51 points. And Wake isn't as as bad as people think. No. Uh, but I, I'm going to give Clemson. Clemson a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Clemson covers. And they win it 27-17. to 17. A part of me wants to go, honestly, to the depths of hell of college football for, for this third and final pick. It is. Well, I'm, you're going to just pick the Nebraska game, though. Oh, yeah, that's right. Welcome back to reality. Dang it. Oh, well, okay, on, honorable mention, Colorado, Arizona. Honorable mention. Oh, God. The, yeah, the depths of hell of college football. Arizona's favored by 17 and a half. In, a, in an alternate fantasy, I pick Arizona to cover. Let's just leave it at that. Wow. How about that? God, that game is going to be so bad. That game is going to be horrible. And it starts at 8.30, so none of us have to watch it. Ha-ha, <laughs> yay. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> we get to watch a worse game, maybe, <laughs> in the Star City. Oh, Nebraska God. and Indiana. Nebraska, five-and-a-half-point favorite against the Hoosiers at home on homecoming. Nebraska's given a 60% chance to win on ESPN. And I still don't think they get it done. No, I don't either. Nebraska loses forty-two to thirty-five. They just can't keep up. I agree. I 
Indiana covers either way. I think Indiana beats them. I will go 41-33 to 33 in favor of Indiana, and the Hoosiers win. And they improve to 4-1 and 2-0 in the Big Ten. Again, it's all about the defense. 514 yards a game is not going to get you anywhere but down. And the unit just needs to prove it. And they need to throw the kitchen sink at them, and, and we'll see what happens. But Yeah, I, there's no way you could pick them to win. Now, on, on the flip side... It's honestly disrespectful, I think, to Indiana. In so the, fl- the, the flip side, though, and the reason I think part of, part of the reason the line is where it is, Indiana has not won a road conference game since Wisconsin in 2020. So, you know, they have struggled on the road in recent years under Tom Allen. But in 2019, they did come in to Memorial Stadium right. and beat Nebraska. And that's the most important thing. This is the third matchup between these two teams. The road team has won yep. uh, the first two. Mm-hmm. So, third well, matchup as Big Ten foes. Third matchup is, yeah, as Big Ten foes. Nebraska, if they wore the black uniforms, you could chalk them down for a loss. Cool. They're, not go- <laughs> they're not going to. Nothing good happens in those things. Which is it's for any such team, a shame. Any team. It is such a shame because those are so cool. Like, I think those are sick. But they always lose in them. And we can never wear them. And we never play well in it. It's just so annoying. Bad. It is so annoying. But the series is tied one to one in the Big Ten between Indiana and Nebraska. Grant and I both have Indiana winning and covering against the Cornhuskers this weekend. 6.30 on BTN at Memorial Stadium. Homecoming game in 2022. Grant, any last thoughts before we wrap up episode 100? No. Good thing we get. We, I'm glad we got here. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm Me glad. Too. I'm glad we didn't uh, decide we hated each other after the first one. So this is actually where we announced that we're we're no longer continuing the bomb kidding, kidding, <laughs> but we've arrived. We've <laughs> we've re- episode number one hundred. It's over. We don't need this anymore. Mm, very true. I'm just kidding. But Nebraska, Indiana this weekend should be a fun time. Regardless, I mean the atmosphere of a night game is always fun to be around. Lincoln will be popping. We'll we'll see some old faces coming back for a homecoming. Friend of the show, Jordan Westerkamp, will be in town, um, as he told us last week. So uh, you'll you'll see a lot of old Huskers kind of moseying around downtown Lincoln and, and reliving their college days, which is always a good time. So um, be sure to enjoy it this weekend, win or lose. Uh, it, it'll be a fun time. So that will do it for us on episode number 100 of Husker Sports Weekly. Once again, you can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hanson Not Hanson. You can find our show at Husker Weekly on Twitter and search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast networks. We'll talk to you on Sunday for the newest installment of Rapid Reactions post-Nebraska and Indiana. But until then, enjoy the weekend, and as always, Go Big Red!